For our guests this morning, this is the third week of Lent in the season of the church, and we are in the middle of a sermon series titled, Jesus Said I Am. We're considering these words of Jesus from John where he proclaims to be something, I am, and using the very language that God uses in Exodus when God says, I am who I am. That's actually where we began our conversation was that moment on the mountain with Moses and God, and God's proclaiming himself in that moment, stating his name. Last week we heard Jesus talk about being the light of the world. I am the light of the world for all so that you might see. This week we hear Jesus say, I am the bread of life. What does that mean for us? You see, I believe that God desires for each of us to know God as all-sustaining in our lives. As the one who provides for us physically, yes, but also spiritually as the one who gives us everything that we need, but not necessarily all that we desire. And Jesus tells us that we can know this God by knowing Him, and by knowing Him we know God. That we can know the I Am who is the bread of life, all sufficient for each and every one of us. When I was in the service as a a young airman, I was only allowed 750 pounds of goods to be moved. Chris will probably remember this, too, as a a person early on in the military days. In the first 10 years, my 10 years of service, I moved nine times. So I moved periodically while I was in the service, right? Can you imagine trying to figure out how to consolidate the things that you own, your possessions, down to 750 pounds? And that being what you get to take with you from point A to point B. That was the early part of my service. As most of you know, my wife is a manufacturer sales rep in the toy industry. I have more than 750 pounds worth of toys at the house that are all samples than what I got to take any one place early in the service. Matter of fact, when she goes to Toy Fair in New York City, I think her suitcase weighs that much. That's how much stuff she has to take with her. Later in my service years, though, as I gained in rank and and everything like that, I was given more. I got to the point where I actually could take 3,000 pounds worth of stuff with me wherever I wanted to go. Now, those of you who know Margaret and I, over the last five and a half years, we've moved three times. I, I feel like I'm back in the service in some ways, you know, moving around here and there every year and a half or so. Recently we moved, and and the process was a a four-day kind of process for us. Now, each time that we move, we try to purge some of those things that we have. You know, you look at the stuff that you have, and if you haven't used it in a year, you're supposed to do what with it? Get rid of it, right? Because you're probably not going to use it this year either or any time soon. So purge and get rid of these things. So each move, we've tried to purge a few things, get rid of a few things, and and now we find ourselves sorting out a little bit, and and I keep wondering about some things. Uh, When did we get this? Why do we still have this? What purpose does this serve, or is it ever going to serve a purpose again? And then to top it all off, after purging and getting settled in our new residence, guess what we went and did? We went and bought some more stuff, right? It's the American way. It is what we do as people. And I tell you this because they say that confession is good for the soul, so this is my moment of confessing to all of you that just like each one of us, 
I like the stuff that is around me. I like my stuff just as much as anybody else. Margaret and I like our nice furnishings that are in our house. We love those things that we treasure the most. I buy fairly decent clothes because I think they last a little bit longer than buying cheaper stuff. The shoes that I have a tendency to buy, I buy particular pairs of shoes because they'll last longer. They're not very cheap, though, when you have to go buy a pair of men's shoes these days. And on and on the list goes. I like my stuff that is around me. And I'm sure that all of you love your stuff as well. Right? Amen? Right? Choir, preaching to you too. Amen. All right, good. So we all agree that we like the things that are around us. Now, here's the slippery slope for us. The slippery slope for us is when the things that we have become the priority in our life and we attach a meaning to them thinking that these things will fill the longings in our soul. This space that God has crafted within each one of us that only God can fill. If we prioritize our things and try to fill that void with them, we will find that our appetite will be so insatiable for the stuff because it will never satisfy what only God can fill. What only the bread of life can give to us. You think about these Gospels and how they're written. It's, it's interesting that in this moment, this large crowd of people gather around Jesus. They are following Him around. They're listening to His teachings. They're curious about what He has to say. And they witness the miracles that Jesus is performing among them. They see all of these things transpire. One particular story is this moment where Jesus finds a large crowd and an evening comes and it's time for dinner. This is the only story that all four Gospels actually share besides the crucifixion and the resurrection. Is Jesus feeding a large crowd of people? Dinner time has come. It's in the evening. And the disciples say to Jesus, you probably better send the crowd on their way because it's time to eat. They're starting to get hungry, I'm sure, because we are as well. Jesus says to the disciples... You feed them. And the disciples look at him and and they've got a couple of good arguments. Number one, uh, Jesus, this is really a large crowd and it would take an awful lot to prepare a meal for 5,000. Could you imagine us having first feast for 5,000? Paula doesn't want to imagine that. Neither does Stacy or any of the rest of them, right? It's enough with 100 probably to try to figure that. 5,000 people are hungry. Jesus says you feed them. Uh, We've got no food, and number two, it's going to cost a lot to buy all of that. And we don't have the money for it. The only thing that is around us that we even see is a little boy who has two fish and five loaves of bread. Jesus says, bring them to me. And he gives thanks for them. He blesses it. He breaks apart these elements, gives them to the disciples and says, now go feed the people. And we all know the story. After they're finished eating There's scraps, right? Twelve baskets left over. In that moment, it says that Jesus gave them more than what they needed to fill themselves. There was so much that was left over. 
But as David said, they tried to make Jesus king. They thought, wow, this is pretty cool. Maybe he could do this all the time for us. Let's make him our ruler. He'll provide these physical needs and security that we need. And Jesus escapes off into the hills. Probably he needed to be alone. Some time of prayer, meditation maybe. The disciples, they decide to take a boat. And they go from Tiberias across the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum, the other side. As the story continues on, they're out rowing across the sea and all of a sudden a storm starts to rage and they find themselves struggling against the waves. But Jesus comes walking across the water and gets into the boat with them. And the moment he gets in the boat, the seas calm and they are in the port of Capernaum. They've arrived at their destination. And they get out of the boat. And it's the next morning. The crowd wakes up the next morning, and guess what the crowd wants? Breakfast, right? They're hungry again. The crowd wakes up, and they're hungry again. And so they go on this search for Jesus around Tiberias because they didn't see him get in the boat. They figured he must still be there, and so they're looking around for him, but they can't find him. And so all the boats that had ported that morning, they hire, and they cross the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum looking for Jesus. And when they find him, they say to him... How did you get here? From where we were, how did you get here? And Jesus kind of understands their motivation. He, he knows what's going on in their heads. They're not really curious how Jesus got there. They're not really all that interested in how Jesus fed them miraculously the day before. They're not really interested in how he got from point A to point B without getting in the boat with his disciples. What they want is breakfast. They want Jesus to feed them again. Jesus said, if only you recognized what was being offered to you in this moment, this bread of life that will satisfy all your longings. If only you would come to me, you'd never hunger again. And they're like, well, we're hungry now, so can't you give us bread like Moses gave to the, uh, the people that were wandering in the wilderness? Feed them with manna? And he says, you do not understand. It was not Moses who gave them manna. It was the Father. God provided everything that they needed, met their needs, just as God wants to meet your needs now, if only you would experience the bread of life, if you would dine upon that which is offered to you. And I think God still offers that even today. For those of us who have this hole in our souls, this appetite for more, that God wants to provide the bread of life that would satisfy our deepest longings, our needs. That God would provide through Jesus the security, the peace, the assurance that we need in this life so that we might come and follow more closely. The question, though, is, is how we orient ourselves to this bread of life. So that we might come and and feast upon it each and every day of our lives. So that we might let our spirits have more control over our body than our body has over our spirits, as Robert Fuqua puts it. And there's several things that I could tell you to do each and every day that would help you in this pursuit. Maybe help you reorient your life. But I'm going to suggest to you just one simple thing today. One activity that might help us move from the satiable to the insatiable. 
Help us move to where we are satisfied in God. Fasting is one of those things that we talk about in the church, right? If you think about it, it's one of those activities that we prop up, especially during Lent, to say, come and fast from something. Most all of you probably think of it along one line. Food, right? Fast from something in your diet. Either give up a Diet Coke, give up sweets, chocolate, give up coffee during this period of time. How many of you actually are fasting from something during Lent? Anybody at all? Okay. The four of you on the back row, thank you. (laughs) Let's put it this way, though. Let's think of it in a little bit different context because there is a way in which all of us can fast in our lives. And we can put it in the context of a small period of time, maybe 30 minutes or an hour practice each and every day. How many of you, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing that you do is you look at your phone There's probably a good number of us in the younger generation crowd who are fairly attached to that little instrument that's probably laying on our nightstand right next to our bed. And the first thing that we do is we look at Facebook or emails or something like that. It's one of the first things we do in the day. What if you fasted for the first hour of your day from technology? And instead spent some time in some quiet and some meditation feasting on the bread of life? Or how many of us spend a couple of hours a night watching television or surfing the internet or doing some extra work on our computer and our time is consumed by these kinds of activities? What if we fasted for 30 minutes or an hour each evening and created quiet time and space for meditation and reflection and reading? I know for... For my household, it's eating out. We eat out a lot, several times a week. And for us, it would be the activity of maybe eating at home a few more times during the week and and taking some of that money and maybe designating it as our Easter offering so that we have a gift that we can come and bring to God to reorient our lives in some way, to use the technique of fasting so that we might craft space each and every day to meet with the bread of life, to dine upon him. So what is it that you could give up in your life? What is it that you could fast from to create this 30 minutes, this one hour, so that you might come to know the soul-satisfying bread of God, the bread of life? You know, I'm a realist too. I know this much. I will not stop consuming and buying stuff anytime soon. I'm sure that all of you fall in that same category. You're still going to have needs and wants and desires that you will fulfill. But the question I want to challenge you with is this today. Will they be the priority that you use, the item that you use, to try to fill the longing in your soul? Or will you make time for the true bread of life? so that you might never hunger again. Here's what I hope you take away from today. A a couple of things to just kind of hang on for conversation maybe later on. To be reminded that all of us love our things, your preacher included. All of us love the things that are around us. 
And often they become the priority, the focus in our lives. We use them in the attempt to satisfy the longings in our souls. What God offers to us continually is God's sufficiency. That God is all things in the bread of life and can meet the very needs, the longings that each and every one of us have in the depths of our souls. If we would only make the time and the space to feast upon the bread of life. So here's your invitation this week. You know, for the next seven days, let's try this just for a week. Maybe a few of us will get to day two or three. Hopefully many of us will get to day seven on this. But let's determine what's the hardest thing for us to give up. And in the next week, take 30 minutes to an hour and fast from that so that we might make time for the presence of God. Quiet, meditation, reading, a walk, whatever it is that will nurture and fill your soul. Try this with me for just a week, if you would. And see if Jesus doesn't become for you the true bread of life. God's sufficient gift that will satisfy your longings. If we would fast and spend some time focusing on Him. Come with me now to a moment of prayer. So gracious God, we look to you today for wisdom and guidance in our lives. For so often we have relied on the things around us to provide comfort and security and safety, to provide meaning. But we know that we have misplaced our trust. For these are temporal, fleeting things. Things that can never satisfy the deepest longing in our souls. To know you. May we catch a glimpse today of the true bread of life, your Son, Jesus. And may we find time in our daily lives to be nourished by Him, the bread of life. For only then will we know the satisfaction that you can provide. So, bread of heaven, come and feed us till we want no more. Amen.